bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of judgment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits what a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the actual number. So here's the deal. See, now I got to do this. You know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. You know why I'm not going to do it? Because I was just reading a story that perplexed me. I was reading a story, and I, I had to grab my computer because I thought I was reading something. Well, so I have a question for you. It's a quiz. You don't have to call in. There's nothing to win, so calm down. If you call in, you'll just talk to Ben Jammin, and that's that. Tell me what these things have in common. You ready? Thirty-fourth and National, ninety-first and Custer, fifty-second and Clark, seventeenth and Galena, and what's what's the name of the street? Wheel or Wile? W e i l. Wheel, Wheel and Clark. Nineteenth and Morgan, fortieth and Valite, eighteenth and Grant, Humboldt and Singer. 30th and Valide, 20th and Center, Sherman and Hope, 9th and Atkinson. 
What, what, what do those things have in common? If you're smart, hit me on the talking text line. If you're not smart, hit me on the talking text line. What do those particular things have in common? I'll even say it again in reverse order. Ninth and Atkinson. Sherman and Hope, 22nd and Center, 30th and Valit, 18th and Grant, 40th and Valit, 19th and Morgan, Wheel and Clark, 17th and Galena, 52nd and Clark, 91st and Custer, 34th and National. What do all those locations and all those places have in common? I find it interesting because I'm <laughs> y'all stupid. I'm looking for city officials to say something. I never heard anything. I think in words of sh- of lazy, shiftless, and useless. That is what we have in terms of leadership here in the city of Milwaukee. Old school, we call that broke, busted, and disgusted. I read off to you intersections that are in the city of Milwaukee. where incidents have occurred for the last week or so and that's it it got it 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 got reported and then that was it Talking text line, they all have reckless drivers and high crime in common okay but we don't do high crime because america is a high crime country so you could throw the whole high crime you know, hidden black Hispanic community piece out. So I'm going to throw that out, Craig. Glenn Coco said murders this year. No. Close. Empty fields. No. Over the past week or two, and one of you was 50% right, Over the past week or so, and actually most of you were right, there's been a shooting at each one of those locations. And multiple people have been shot or killed. And I started thinking about what are the odds of someone getting shot and killed in the city of Milwaukee? What 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 are the what are the odds of someone dying in the city of Milwaukee after a gunshot?
What is it? Like, I'm, I'm missing something. Because what you just heard is exactly what city leadership gave you. You ready? See, see if you hear what I say again. Yeah, that. Nothing. Jay says shootings. I said that, doctor. I already said some of you were right. But you're partially right. The problem I have with it is four people died. I think the youngest was a 15-year-old. What exactly are we doing in Milwaukee? I remember a time when I used to covet cold weather because nobody died. It was slow. You could take it easy. You could get work done, follow up on burglaries and robberies and all that stuff. Now, we've beat the record every year for the last three years in terms of homicide. Shootings, I don't even know. Does anybody even care anymore? I mean, can you go in a room and say, hey, how many people here? Remember you used to say, how many people here have had contact with the police? All the black males raised their hand. And then I'd ask, what do you mean contact with the police? In a room, talking, pulled over, ticket, and you get to the depth of it. And so somebody will talk in text and I says, what does that have to do with leadership? Where are the voices that are helping go into the community and tell people what they're doing wrong. Help change issues that are occurring in those particular communities, which is why the crime is occurring in the first place. Help change homes, help change lives, specifically jobs, education. Number three, jobs. And number four, education. Got it? Okay. That's what it has to do with leadership because everything we do starts with leadership. You said you wanted to be in charge because you were going to uh, mimic Barack Obama and bring about change, and we're still waiting. City's going to hell in a handbasket. This person said leadership cannot tell grown people what to do when they already know better. Yep, and when they do, you need to lock them up. And if they're convicted of a crime, send them to jail or prison. So the streets can calm down. And little boys and girls can go out and play. When was the last time you saw boys and girls in Milwaukee actually outside playing a game? And it wasn't cold outside. When it was hot outside, warm. When was the last time you felt safe walking down the street? When was the last time you felt safe in your own yard taking garbage out in your own neighborhood on your own property? You keep screaming about every time somebody get arrested is racist. And now we have white leadership in Milwaukee in the district attorney's office letting criminals that need to be. No, let, let me not say that. People who are arrested for crimes who need to be held 
They're letting them go, but they're not going back to their community. They're going back to ours. You can't tell me the guy that died in the jail over the weekend that had been wanted for 16 years. you telling me family didn't know where he was? Come on. We've got to change the mentality. Responsibility and accountability has to happen. But I know one thing. We keep up this weekend the way we did. I got some good odds for you. You ready? 18 to get you four. And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017 is the number. So I was, I was, I'm a I'ma let y'all. <laughs> I was going to come up with this particular um story, but I thought I would let you decide. Um Whether or not this person should be hired. So I'm going to let you do it. So here's the deal. Bethune-Cookman. The college. HBCU. In Florida. Said they won't hire. Ed Reed as football coach because of some comments he made. And so I thought, okay, that's that's their prerogative. They're not going to hire him. All right. And, of course, I did like every other red-blooded, nosy-blooded, I, I get it right, red-blooded, nosy person would do. 
And I, I said, well, what, what did, what did, what did Ed say? Well, Ed Reed, the Football Hall of Fame, under consideration to be the head of the head coach of Bethune Cookman University, said Saturday that he wouldn't be hired in an emotional speech that came about a week after he received backlash for actually criticizing Bethune Cookman University in Florida. During an expletive-laden, impassioned address in front of recruiters, players, and parents that was also streamed on social media, Reed is shown in the video saying that the decision was not his. I know I don't want to leave. Before suggesting Bethune-Cookman administration's decision against hiring him was made by evil people who don't care about kids like he does. He says that he didn't withdraw his name as a candidate and alleged all kinds of stuff going on around here in an apparent nod to his own social media video last week, complaining about trash he claimed to find on Daytona Beach campus. He said, Dion is right, and I know I'm right. He added in an apparent reference to critical comments former Jackson State University head coach Dion Sanders said about the conditions and resources at HBCUs. Sanders expressed deep support for Reed while the two appeared together live on Instagram. Reed said from ESPN, we've been trying to change things. My vision for change probably moving too fast for a lot of people. I'm not withdrawing my name. As they said, they don't want me here. They don't want me here because I tell the truth. What are your thoughts? 833-212-1017 is the number. Is it time we start calling out some HBCUs and telling them that you, you, you need to do better? Like we want better dorms, heat in the wintertime, air conditioning in the summertime, good food. Is it? Is it time we step up to some of these HBCUs and say, you know what? We love y'all, but y'all need to close. Ain't nobody going here. Nobody is supporting it. And we need to support those HBCUs that are that are that are bigger, and that we need to go and expand some of those HBCUs. I guess we can't because I I don't know where you're going to expand Howard University to in DC because it's too it's kind of landlocked and there's nowhere else. Unless you're going to build on green space, you're you're going to pretty much lose a lot. Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. What are your thoughts? Do we have too many? Is it that we don't? Ha- is, is it that we have too many HBCUs? Let me be transparent. I went to a PWI, Illinois State University, and Concordia University, and all. So I didn't. I didn't. I I didn't go to an HBCU. If I could have afforded it, or at the time knew what HBCUs were, I would have went to them. But evidently, I wasn't black or bougie enough to know what HBCUs were when I was growing up. If y'all don't know what that word means, don't worry about it. But at, but at some point, I think we're saturated. I think it's time to, is it? I don't know. See? I don't, I don't know. Do we have too many HBCUs and do we need to concentrate on the ones that are viable 
and build them out? Can we make them bigger? We've got like Dr. Uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Something positive, not a mill. A doctor. Um, um, we generate doctors out of out of Xavier University in Baton Rouge like nobody's business. My Harry Medical College, right? FAMU engineers, got it. Howard, the arts, education, um, and 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 those, and I'm talking both state and private. Right. Hampton University. I mean, phenomenal. Fisk. Talladega. Just outstanding. Should we keep them? 833-212-1017 or do we expand them? But that would mean y'all need to give some more money. Yumina, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Dr. Ken. How are you? I'm great. Long time no talk. I know, I know. But, hey, I just wanted to make a couple comments um, on what you were talking about. One, I did go to an HBCU. I only went for a semester. I went down for basketball scholarship. So I went to Tennessee State. Tennessee State, okay. So, yeah, so um, when you stand to be, you know, start the whole – those um, HBCUs who are kind of falling short accountable? I think so. Um, and the reason I say it is because, like, as a people, we talk about how we, you know, are able and we are capable of, of, of um, governing, you know, our own stuff, for lack of a better word. And it's almost like if we can't handle our own and, and govern our own institutions, right, that prepare our future leaders, our doctors, our scientists, or whatever, then to me that doesn't say much about what we would do in our communities. And I hate to – I know that's a broad – that's kind of a generalization, but we're pre- preparing some of the – hopefully the best minds that are coming forth, but there's some standard, you know, um, housing uh, – when I was at TSU, the, the housing was probably the worst. The food was a bomb. Um, <laughs> I had some bomb instructors. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for real, I had greens and chicken. But the, the, and I had some of All right, now you're making so me feel bad because I'm hungry now. See? <laughs> right. But, so I think we should hold them accountable, you know, Dr. King, because it's like when we get our, our stuff, and again, I'm being real basic, you know, we our ancestors took care of our stuff so that we would have this. I'm also in a sorority, and so that that means a lot, you know, to me that our ancestors were able to have a standard and put organizations in place for us. So I think we should hold them accountable. I'm not saying necessarily get rid of them because we need them. But I think. but they don't have but enough people there. Better. But they don't have enough people. They're barely staying open. That's true, because I know when I was at TSU, they didn't, uh, I think that's right up to be from TSU, they didn't have a heat heat that winter, and they, Ooh, some of my business re- came to stay with us in the dorm. I remember that, so I remember when you was there. Yeah. 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 So, wow. But you know what? I think if you have to combine them, right? Yes. I think maybe combining would be good, you know what I'm saying? But especially if we can raise that standard, because I think we definitely need them, you know, it was a wonderful. It was a wonderful experience for me. I ended up back here for different reasons, but uh-huh. I think we should um, combine, you know, 
and um, just tighten it up because we need it as a culture. You know, we have so little and historically, you know, that's been how some of we've gotten some of our greater minds, you know, that, that have at least paid forward. Very true. Well, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good one. All right. Take care. 833-212-1017 is the number. I don't, um, I mean, I'm, I, I didn't go to school there. I don't have any skin in the game. My daughters didn't go to an HBCU. But I think the experience is something that is a legacy experience. Legacy, like if you're born black, that's your experience. You, you, should, you should go. Um, am, I rem- am, I, am I remiss that I didn't go to an HBCU? Actually, yes. Actually, yes. If I ever go back to school and get a master's, even though I got a PhD, or a certificate, I'm going to an HBCU. What'd you say? Well, we come back, we're going to talk to Kyle Wallace about the HBCU of the North. If y'all know what that is, 833-212-1017 is the number. Uh, traffic, weather, and sports up next. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. I want to say thank you to Mina for calling. And we were talking about HBCUs and how, well, I think Ed Reed kind of got himself into a bind, but then you got to look at Bethune-Cookman, too. I mean, you know. They're not ratifying his contract and won't make good on the agreement we had in principle, which had provisions and resources best needed to support the student athletes. I was committed to coaching, cultivating a relationship with the university players and community and fans, and I'm extremely disappointed. This won't be happening. A revered Super Bowl champion, Reed, would be named as Bethune-Cookman, they reported last month. The next head coach. Weeks later, though, he went live on Instagram, released a series of videos. One of them was filmed while he was on a Bethune-Cookman golf cart criticizing the university of the conditions of his office. He also said he and student-athletes were picking up trash on the campus. He emphasized how he wasn't even under contract and at one point suggested that he should just leave Bethune-Cookman altogether. So that's what they did. Now, in studio with me is the revered uh, former wide receiver. No, defensive back. Come on, Defense. <laughs> I, had, I had to say the opposite. I, I wish I could crazy. catch like a receiver. Yeah, I wish you could too. Um, uh, Kyle Wallace, formerly of UW Whitewater. Yes, yes. What I affectionately call the HBCU of the North. We most definitely were the HBCU of the North of Wisconsin. Of Wisconsin. So what? what is it that makes – Whitewater such an attraction like like other black schools like like a Howard or Morehouse or what is it? Yeah, I would say first of all the proximity is to Milwaukee. So 
just within how far it is being in that hour's length away, it's not too far away. And so really traditionally, it really started off back in the day where people can go there shortly from, you know, not far from Milwaukee, not far from Kenosha, you know, okay. a little bit, not too far from Madison is either, not too far from Beloit. So you got a little bit of like, I think the furthest you can go is like an hour, maybe an hour 30 from Kenosha, maybe or something like that. Not too far from these different places. So you have that. And then on top of that, they actually made a push to try to attract black students. Really? I mean, that, I mean, hmm. Alpha Phi Alpha, 1968, you know, we had started our chapters, AIOTA chapter at UW-Whitewater. And then from that point on, you know, we continued to have other chapters that get there to bring more black students. And then on top of that, what they did academically as well for in the 70s, what they did to attract students, you know, my parents both went to UW-Whitewater and they were attracted to the university based off the recruitment effort that they took. And also education-wise, there's a lot of black teachers. But that, if they follow through? Who with with what what they promise? I would say I would say if you look at every university, I would say Whitewater does a tremendous job of pumping out black students. And what they do is is you know, and I'm not trying to take any shots, but what I'll say is this: is when we look at academically prepared students, mm-hmm. um, I think Milwaukee Public Schools has some of the biggest barriers when it comes to preparing students. Sometimes because they come from many different lifestyles. I, that's just you call that a barrier. No, I, well, I, call, I call it life. And so but what they okay. did is they understood, they looked, and they looked at the test scores, and they looked at the students. Right. And so a lot of times when you're going to a college or a university, what you get evaluated on up until the pandemic at most universities, until now this test optional thing your is ACT real, score. your ACT score. So you look at your GPA and your ACT score. Now, typically to get into a college or a university, a UW system school, most of the ACT scores are going to be an 18 at the low end. I mean, you're talking about UW Parkside, where I used to work at, where 18 was on a real low end. For that score, average ACT score for that score is like a 21. Average ACT for Whitewater is probably like a 24, 23 or something like that. And so what they did was is they understood looking at MPS population and looking at how they tested. With them testing low, they decided, okay, so with this low test score, it doesn't mean these students can't be successful. What right. it means is that they may have some difficulties when they come to school. So what Whitewater did is they set up programs for students who may have a little lower test score to have mm-hmm. a little extra assistance and be with a other group of students to help them. And this right. isn't just black students, but this is the students who scored a little bit lower, and but particularly black students, that they put things in place in order to help them achieve success. And so what happens is if you get the word gets out that this school called UW-Whitewater has these programs in place, they have people like Dr. Pulliam, they have people like Dr. Mack, right. who are at that, those universities who are there to assist you know, the black population, and then you have programs that are there to assist the black students that are coming from MPS or coming just from Milwaukee who may have a little lower test scores but have what it takes to be academically successful. Like that, a like a King Chavez. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. And okay. so and so what you do is now you create this pipeline of students that come to Whitewater. And then another thing they did is they did an excellent job of creating summer programs, summer camps. Mm-hmm. So you get those students on campus and exposed to your campus at a young age. Myself, I went to a summer camp at Whitewater. So by the time I went to college, Whitewater wasn't my first choice, but I had a comfort there. My parents had a comfort there. Okay. And so that's that's really what it comes to. And so that's how they built themselves up and have this reputation of being a good university for African-American students. And then when you get on campus, the black culture there, I think they do a great job of uplifting the black culture and allowing those BSU to truly thrive, to allow for the H, uh, excuse me, to allow for the NPAC groups mm-hmm. to really thrive, fraternities and sororities to have opportunities to thrive on campus. So they created this atmosphere that I don't know what an HBCU is like. But I know when you go to the I know when you go to the homecoming for Whitewater, mm-hmm. all the MPACs have the parking lot kind of you know they have a section shut down 
for all the MPACs and for Black Student Union where you have this little bit of feel what you get from an HBCU. Now, of course, not an HBCU, but they put things in place where you have this culture that you okay. get this feel of black culture on campus. So what do you think about closing HBCUs because they're, they're you know, not fulfilling their mandate, not they, they don't have the students, they don't, or even merging? I mean, when it comes down to it, you have to be able to have the financially be stable and you have to be able to be uh, get your not credible, but uh, your accreditation as well. Right. Those are the important things. So as right. an institution, if you financially don't have your house in order and you don't have your accreditation, then you can't survive as an overall higher learning institution. So that's what that comes down to. Do I want them to close? Absolutely not. I would rather combine. But them aren't there close. too many? No, I don't think there's aren't too there many. Too no, many. there's not too many. Oh. Not at all. I'm I'm okay with a with a HBCU that has less than a thousand students. That's great because that's an even better environment for that student to thrive in. Because what we're trying to do, a HBCU is here to produce future black students. Right. It's funny. Somebody said, if you never went to one, how can you speak about them? First of all, you can talk about anything. Number one. Number two. I said in the beginning, I didn't go to an HBCU. I'm asking questions. So stop trying to bash people. You know, but can't you can't you talk to those who had an experience for an HBCU and share their experience of what you've been absolutely. told about? And so, based on what I've been told, but about, this person is saying I'm bashing them, and no, I'm like, no. What them. I'm saying is, is it time for us to take a look to make sure we can actually strengthen them by making sure those that are going to survive, we make them survive and thrive. I just think people need to get their financial house in order and make sure they have their accreditations in order to succeed because they're not doing it. Nobody. And this is any university. I mean, universities right. across right. America have closed just in general because yep. of low enrollment, yep. because there's less students going to college. There's less babies being born for a certain period of time. So right now we're in that down curve. I think it bumps back up in like 2028 or 2030. But right now you're in this down curve. And so that's things are changing and you just have to adapt. OK. Well, thanks, sir. Appreciate you. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to join you, Ken. All right. HBCU of the North. Is that like Nanook of the North? The who? The Nanook? <laughs> the Nanook of the North. What is that? You, you'll have to have a real education at a real school. No, I'm just what's kidding. what's the Nanook? Nanook of the North? Nanook of the North. Yeah, one of the dumbest movies you've ever. Oh, well, I don't watch yeah. I don't watch too many movies. and definitely not dumb, so I ain't got time for that. Ah, uh, yeah. We can tell. Got it? You, you ready? Is it? Is it? All right, uh, Nick of the North. All right, goes on to say uh, the pioneering documentary film depicts the lives of the indigenous Inuit people of Can- of Canada's North Quebec region. Although the production contains some fictional elements, it vividly shows how its resourceful resourceful subjects survive in such a harsh climate, revealing how they construct their igloo homes and find food by hunting and fishing. What does this, how does to do this with got me white- captivated already? Well, wait a minute. What's that do with Whitewater being a Nanook of the North? No, we're not that. Whitewater, we're more advanced than that, and trust me, there's a lot of uh, most black people will look around and find a lot of Whitewater alums, and we all had a great time That's right. in undergrad. I spent a lot of money at White War. You sure did. <laughs> and I bet you they had a great time, too. Correct. All right. Thanks, sir. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Your comments, 833-212-1017. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. 
This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. 414-719. Dr. Ken, if you never went to one, how can you speak about them? I can because I've experienced going to them and heard more than enough people talk about it. And it's my opinion. And I have one like you. A couple armpits, too. Every now and then they stink, but they're, they're mine. Like you speak about individuals not being an officer, but speaking negative about them. No, that's not what I said about officers. I, I, I didn't say that. I said telling us how to do our job when you haven't done it, or at least went to a police academy or went to a citizen's academy, learn it first, then talk about it. But I never said you couldn't talk about it. Uh, you see what's going on with many of us not enriched in many African-American traditions and cultures and influences the HBCU provide or may not. The issue I have with that is I support that. But anyway, let me let me let me go because I read ahead. Let me the Divine Nine, which I believe you are a part of, as well as Mason, hold high positions in our communities, which many HBCUs turn out by the dozens. If we as if we as African Americans need to prioritize sending our children to them if we can afford to. I do agree they should be held accountable for some of the mismanagement of funds and loss of accreditation at some locations. All that to say we should be pushing to send children to them. And there's only 101 of them. Okay. And how many African Americans are there in the in the country? Well, let's let's do this. How many African Americans? So I like to do it live. How many African American college-aged students? Uh, those are total undergraduates. Black students make up 2.1% of the undergraduate population. Okay. So 2.1 million students. So let me, let me see if we can do this. How many? Let me see. Uh, 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 uh. Oops. 
<laughs> too many zeros. One. All right. So, if we sent all of our college-age students, 2.1 million students of the undergraduate population, they're 12.7% of the 16.6 million total of students that are college-age. 2.1 million of them are black. That's 12.7%. If you divide 2.1 million divided by 101, and I think that's what uh, they said. We have It's only 101 of them. Well, first of all, that's a lot. Two, not everybody want to go to all 101 of them, which means there are going to be some at the bottom and some at the top. That average is 20,792 students per school. Now, we know more people are want to go to the top-tier HBCUs, right? All things being equal, we're going to have to significantly upgrade a lot of the space, the dorm room. And when I say upgrade, I mean more, right? So if you've got a couple thousand, 5,000, 10,000 students, you might be looking at doubling or tripling your right? They don't have the capacity. And so with that, not everybody goes to college. Just because you're of college age doesn't mean you are actually doing it. These are actual 16.6 million undergraduate students of which 2.1 million of them are black. So how do we get them in school? What, what does that matter? So he said he or she, I don't know if it's a he or she, uh, 3,581 colleges and universities total, 3,480 of them are predominantly white. Okay. I don't understand why you're letting me know that. And so Brian said, uh, Dirty aesthetics equal closing HBCUs. I don't understand that. Case in point, St. Paul's College in Virginia. I I don't know what that means. Dirtiest HBCU ever. Ever. You mean like 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 needs cleaning or something or whatever? I don't know. I'm gonna need a little bit of clarity on that one. But, of course, somebody said 414-630 said Kyle needs a check from Whitewater. His description was brilliant. (laughs) But I've, you know, my daughter went to Whitewater undergrad and grad school, and she did phenomenally well and has done some great things um, because of UW-Whitewater. They were were very good to her. And um, I think it's important that we go back and – come back and take care of those things. I'm speaking in terms of upgrading the schools, making them where students want to go to school there. Regardless of what you say, just because I'm paying $40,000 doesn't mean I need to go to a crappy school. And some of us go to predominantly white colleges and universities because they're the closest thing to school to, to home and they're the cheapest. And that's what it, 
That's what it all means. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harrison. The 5 o'clock hour, I get to beat Ben up. That's We're going to take the whole 5 o'clock hour. We're going to be whooping up on Ben. Not. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. 